Uh, God's here. That's good news. I think I'm happier about that than you are by the looks of things. So, but uh, that's, uh, he is here. And as I was saying this morning then, it's, it's, that's not just a nice little phrase to make us feel good about our meetings. It's, it, it's a reality that we need to attach our expectation to. And uh, I was saying in, in the morning meetings just that I, I go to l- preach in a lot of churches around this country and other countries. And often I, I just start by you know, saying, God is here. And people go, yeah. yeah. And then and, and get on with the sermon. And um, I just pause for a while and just say, well, <clears throat> let's, just, uh, let's just repeat that. Actually, God is here. So... As Christians, we get just used to that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think if you went out into the world, people who didn't know God and said, oh, by the way, God's in our meeting, they go, what? I think they would attach a level of expectation to it that, that we often don't. What? What? Mean God's in your meeting? What? Really? The God? God? You mean God? Yeah, just imagine yourself having that conversation with, 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 with somebody who's completely unchurched, unbelieving, and, they, and you know, have some idea that there's a God, and then they say, well, he, and he comes to your meeting. What? God comes to your meeting? It, 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 it's, it's, it's literally, it is a staggering thought. We are so used to this in Christianity. Yeah, 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 he comes. Of course he does. Every Sunday. And, but... It's just—it's a ridiculous idea to, to say that and not expect expect something to happen then. And there's this sort of almost there's a passivity in in that statement. Oh yeah, yeah. We're used to him being here, but we're used to him being here and not doing anything. He's quite good at behaving himself in the corner, and uh, <laughs> he probably sings along and doesn't. Matter. Uh, another phrase I, I love when people tell me how how open to the Holy Spirit they are is, is when they say, well, we, we try to make space for the Holy Spirit in our meetings. <laughs> and I, I just love that as an idea. We, we, uh, pass that by, you, you, what? You try to make space for him. Well, that's really good, really kind. That's, uh, <laughs> I expect he feels really welcome. That's very kind of you. Um, what does it mean to try and make space for him? I have no idea. What, what, how big do you think he is? How much space do you think he requires? It's, it's, we tag him on. We give him a five-minute slot. You know, five-minute slot when he can do what he likes. Does this sound ridiculous to you? It sounds ridiculous to me. It's, it's a, it's a, but I honestly say that this is. We can all. And I'm not saying we're we're excluded from this. We can be like that. We just say, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course he's here. Come on, get up. preach, brother, preach. <laughs> Came here a preacher. We come, don't expect to meet with God. We come to see if we agree with you. <laughs> don't teach us something we don't already know because that would be challenging. <laughs> it's. <coughs> Whatever she's doing, we don't want any of that, do we? <laughs> That's really, disrupt, really disruptive in the meeting. We, oh, goodness. 
meant to be pretty sober and somber in church. Did you know that? And uh, laughter, laughter, very suspicious. <laughs> See, if what to say? If if, if unbeliever came in and had no a, a negative expectation of church, yeah. And they thought, oh, this sound, this is, this seems like fun. This is good. I like. Give me some. I'll have some of that. That's nice. With well, Christians coming, go. <laughs> Gee, that's a whoa, mine. That's. <laughs> I don't think so. No. <laughs> but we somehow forgot that in His presence is fullness of joy. present he's not trying to be present he is present and um, God has great expectation when we meet with him he really does He, he, he knows what he can do He's not surprised by himself. He really isn't. He's surprised coming out of the bag. It's really, really not like that for him. Just what he is so so big and so enormous that he can't reveal all of himself in one go. Otherwise, you, you and I would literally blow up with the revelation that was being given to us. But, but. if you read when you read through the Bible, and and you know, there are times. When God turns up in such extraordinary manifestation of his presence that all people can do is lie on the floor and... Why? Because it's being overwhelmed by his presence. He is overwhelming. So I'm going to pray for you to be overwhelmed right now, okay? So That's a good idea. If you didn't come to be overwhelmed, then I'm sorry to disappoint you, but we're going to go for it anyway. So it's <laughs> I'm hoping you came to be overwhelmed by God, really. That would be a good idea. It's much better than just having a sermon. We released the fire of heaven in this place right now. I want you to make, make a, a, a deliberation to enter into the fullness of his presence right now. Wow! Woo. And the fullness of his joy. Wow! Father, we choose right now to enter into the fullness of joy. That's what it says in John 17 verse 13. Jesus is talking to his father. He says, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world. So that they, that's his disciples, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. Whoa. Jesus' purpose is that you would have the full measure of his joy within you. That'd be a good day. 
that can be every day. This is not just for a lively Christian meeting. This is, this is, this is, this is how Christianity is meant to be. This is, wow! <laughs> There's something wrong with, with miserable Christianity. I don't think it's really Christianity. It's something else. Wow! Wow. I release miracles in this place right now. Wow! Power and healing. The Bible says that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Whoa! Woo! And the outcome, it says you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. Now... That doesn't mean to say you're going to do, do some witnessing. You know, try and summon up your courage to do some evangelism. You go, oh, I've got to do that witnessing. No, you will be. It's a promise. You will be. I mean, it, what that means is you, you will tell of what you see and experience. You, it, it's going to happen. You can't help it because actually when that power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it's just going to unleash the realities of heaven. And then you're going to talk about it. Ah. And it says, wow, and it goes from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Wow. We're meant to have enough joy to fill the earth, enough power to change the earth, wow, and enough peace to calm any storm. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, Father, we release the power of heaven through our lives into the world right now. Wow! You have the Holy Spirit inside you. So wherever you go, God is. Ah. That's good news. God has chosen to make his home inside you. This is what it says. God has chosen to live inside you. It's, it's, it's difficult to understand. I don't think you can understand it with an intellect. You, you, can, ex, you can understand it through experience. The Holy Spirit lives inside you. God is here. So you can say that wherever you go, God is here. That's, that's truth, okay? Now, one of the things we're looking at, and I'm talking about it uh, this morning, but I'm going into it in greater depth right now, is we're, we're um, in the, the uh, process of, of, of working our way through a prophecy that Graham Cook uh, gave to, basically to Europe, uh, about six months ago, um, it was, we listened to it last Sunday in our three morning meeting, uh, three uh, meetings, Sunday meetings, the two morning ones and the evening one. And um, and you can actually get hold of it if you go onto the Dream Revolution app, and uh, you can listen to it there. You can download uh, the uh, the transcript of it as well. And um, Graham Cook has great helpfully actually. Uh, 
uh, at the beginning of the sort of transcript, he's put down 12 key points <coughs> that he thinks that uh, sort of headline that, that what he's talking about. And, um, <coughs> and the first one is actually that you're going to be walking, basically, he says, with a territorial spirit, a Holy Spirit. Um, and so we, we actually have the Holy Spirit inside us, and you are, you are Holy Spirit's territory. That's good. Yeah? He's chosen to make you his territory. Not, not, as, not by coercion, because actually there was a, at one point where you said, yes, I want you. And as soon as you said that, he says, here I come. And it'll be more than you ever asked or imagined. Because my presence in you is literally going to overwhelm you. And he is taking territory. The earth is his. And he's taking territory back. And he knows how to fight, says that. And he's going to train us how to live in the good of, of the inheritance we have. Then it goes on. The, the second thing that he talks about is that the Holy Spirit's going to give us the building blocks of a habitational lifestyle. Now, this is really key. That, and um, I want to read out something from the prophecy. Um, it says, I'm, going to, I'm giving you the building blocks of habitation and abiding in my presence. There is a pressing need for my church my people to get closure on a visitation culture to put away legalism. And um, what is really common in, in Christianity is for Christians to ask God to visit. And um, the idea that you need God to visit you is a denial of the fact that he actually lives inside you. <clears throat> and what this prophecy is saying is very clear. We need to get closure on that need to get rid of that idea God's not interested in visiting you because he was already inside you and we need to learn to live with that reality that the Holy Spirit is inside us and we don't have to cry out to him to keep come, coming repeatedly crying out for more what you do, what we are doing is actually exp expecting to experience more of who he is because as I said earlier, he's actually the eternal and infinite one who lives inside us. So there's always, always going to be more to discover. And he wants to reveal himself in greater measure. So it's, it's sensible to ask for more. But you're not asking for more because you haven't got anything in the first place. You're not asking for more because of lack. You're asking to, to, for more of him to be revealed in you and through you. And um, I want to I pick up some of the things that, that's in this prophecy. And I'm just going to comment on some of them. And... Um, and then we'll see how far we go. And this prophecy is going to take a long time for us to, <laughs> to process because there's a heck of a lot in it. Um, and the reason we're doing this as a church is we believe that God is speaking. And there's, there's a key issue, and the title I put for the sermon tonight is, if God says it, we do it. And when God says something, the, 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 most, uh, uh, the wisest thing is to, to obey him. without needing to know all the details. Now, for some that's easier than others. I find that not too tricky. I don't need a lot of details. But if you need more details, it's a bit more challenging. But, but, but 
Obeying God is, is simply because we trust him. And the Bible talks about obedience that comes from faith rather than obedience that comes from fear or obligation. Obedience that comes from faith is actually, I trust him, that he knows more about what he's talking about than I do, and therefore his word's right. And anything in the world he knows more about than you do. And when it comes to heaven, he knows a heck of a lot more about it than you do. <laughs> his opinion of you is more informed than yours. Yeah, you find lots of examples of that in the Bible. When, when, remember Gideon? Angel turns up and says, Hey, mighty warrior. You're thinking, got the wrong guy here. You've got the wrong guy. So, at the beginning of this prophecy, there's a thing that says, I am, and I love that, I am is who God is, yeah? I am is calling you up and out from your fear and your weakness from your unbelief and your poverty spirit. Okay, so this is, God is calling us out of something that he doesn't want us to live in. He doesn't want us to live in fear. So what's what's the biblical counter to all, all fear? Perfect love casts out all fear. So when we live and enjoy the love of God, then fear starts to, to go. Fear, is, fear is, a, is, is, is an earthly reality. It will it, come and knock on your door pretty much every day, and you've got a choice of whether you let it in or not. It's there. It's, it's fear. There's a, you can be tempted to fear, tempted to be anxious every day. There's the opportunity for that. Well, how, how are you going to make sure it doesn't come in your door? Well, the best way is to be so filled and overflowing with love that actually love just expels it from your doorstep. It's not basically when you're trying to resist something that the devil's trying to offer you, it's best resisted not by focusing on what you're resisting, but by on actually focusing on the counter that God has given you. Perfect love count casts out all fear. You've got a peace that passes all understanding that will guard your hearts and minds. And so this is, this is a habitation culture where I live with this reality inside me. I don't try and get peace. This is, this is my sort of spiritual life tips. I don't try and acquire it when I need it. I'm, I'm, I don't live with that way around. So I don't think, all right, I need some joy. Oh, where am I going to find some joy? I need, I need some joy. Oh, no, oh, peace. Oh, I've got, get, got to find some peace. That, that is not, not actually a healthy Christian lifestyle. I live with a river inside me. I have a full expectation that the Holy Spirit inside me is a river that flows. And the measure he puts in me is, is, is pressed down and flowing over. So he should be coming out. So the, the battle is really not of, of, of me trying to stop anxiety. It's actually the devil's going to have a trouble stopping my love flowing out. And my peace that guards my heart and mind. But, when the Bible says, when you go into somewhere, what, what, what you meant to present, as, as an offer, you give away your peace. Yeah? So we, we, we've got too defensive in our Christianity. <clears throat> if the Holy Spirit is inside me, guess who's scared of me? Seriously. 
Demons do not frighten me. They just don't. I'm aware of them. I'm not unaware of them. I don't, don't take them lightly, but I'm not frightened of them. They're frightened of me. And they should be frightened of you. They're frightened of the Holy Spirit inside me. They have, they have no power to counter the power that's inside me. So they can offer me stuff. But it's up to me whether I take it or not. But actually, what I've got to offer is far more powerful. He who is inside me is greater than he who is in the world. And we need to start uh, believing that rather than putting our trust in the devil to deceive us. Make us anxious, fearful. How about this? Weakness. I'm, I'm calling you out of your weakness. You're not a weak person. Did you know that? You're powerful. Now, I know there are times of frailty and stuff like that. We, 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 the, the human passage and stuff like that. And I'd say that there's, for me, a, a, a reality at the moment is, is, is uh, uh, my lovely dad has dementia at quite a severe degree. And I can't say that makes me happy. It saddens me. Well, that's, a, that's an appropriate response to that. Yeah? Yeah? Then that, that's okay. Yeah? That there are th- things, and the, the Bible talks about mourning with those who mourn. And I, I, I say, so actually, when going through something like that, I think there's a sort of, I, I feel personally that I'm in a sort of a pre-mourning state with my dad because there's some of him that I've lost already. And then... One day he will die. Now he's been born again. His, his, his eternal, uh, you know, future is, is is absolutely secure. But actually, his temporary uh, uh, tent is is not in a good shape, and it's not a lot of fun for him. Maybe he's content, but it, I'm just being real with. But that, that I'm just saying that's okay. But when I go and visit him, you know, I have peace and joy, and we pray together. It's, it's fascinating, you know, because his spirit's just as alive as it ever was. He was born again on the 27th of December, 1992. I remember it precisely because he responded to when I was preaching and I led him to Jesus. And uh, so I know where he's going. He's on a holding pattern at the moment. (laughs) And when I go, I don't just pray for him, I pray with him. He prays with me. Because why? He's got a spirit that's alive. He blesses me. And actually, when we do that, there's a life that comes into his eyes that's not there any other time. He's got the Holy Spirit inside him. He's still a powerful person. He's in a weak body. And it doesn't matter what your circumstances are. I understand that they can be tough, but that doesn't make you a weak person. You are a powerful person because of who lives inside you. We are not victims of our circumstances we have to live through our circumstances and in our circumstances and they can be tough but that doesn't make us weak people love is a powerful thing is it not so powerful is not just it's actually the, the bible talks about that you might have power to grasp how high and wide and deep is the love of god the love and power of god go together and um so, if you want to overcome weakness, again, it's, it's getting hold of the love of God is, is, is a great way to do it. 
but also just experience the power of God for experiencing's sake. Just do, just, just enjoy God. Let him flatten you. <laughs> you frightened of being flattened by God? I hope not. <coughs> it, 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 it amuses me when I, 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 I pray for people and they say, <coughs> um, God can do anything but not that. All right probably not down to you ultimately because if he's going to do it he'll do it (laughs) whether you choose to join in is a different matter but he is powerful he's loving he's kind he says i want he's calling us out of our fear our weakness and our unbelief we are all a strange mixture of belief and unbelief us Christians it's true we are we are certain things that you couldn't shift us from in our Christian belief so do you believe Jesus is God well there you go can't shake you from that one if I try and persuade you you're not going to shift are you no why it's a belief it's very difficult for unbelief to get hold of that because you have that one firmly um How many of you speak in tongues? Yeah, do that. No, you can. You see, there's a belief system there. Oh, yeah, that's true. Got it. Don't just think I can. I know I can. So when it comes to that part of my Christianity, unbelief has next to no hold on me. How about what I just said about my dad going to heaven? You weren't surprised by that, were you? Being born again. Why? Because actually you have that absolutely firm belief that if you're born again, you will enjoy heaven for all eternity. That is an extraordinary firm belief. So I'm just trying to highlight that actually you've got a lot of belief already in, in the bad way. It's secure. But you've probably had to fight for that ground a little bit to get you know, assurance of salvation, assurance of eternity, and assurance of you know, speaking in tongues, the, the, the activity of the gifts of the Spirit, all those sort of things. But, but probably you've, you've, um, we, we, we forget some of the, the, the journeys and the, the victories we've already made in terms of belief. So I want to tell you that you know, <clears throat> I reckon everyone here will have a high degree of faith. Now, the, the, the devil will try and persuade you you haven't because he's scared of you actually being confident in your faith. But also, we've got areas where we need to shed unbelief. And I think that the areas of unbelief are far more around the power of God than the love of God. And I think Christianity in the in, in Western world in particular, has, 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 has laid all sorts of unbelief systems on the release of the power of God. <clears throat> and uh, a recent example of that, well, recent history, not, not dead recent, would, I would say would be how the Toronto blessing was handled um, in the UK, across Europe, other nations where God definitely did something powerfully. You know, and 
you know, was it the Toronto blessing? Oh, it was God. <laughs> uh, and it actually started in our church in October 1993. God was started doing strange things. And we couldn't explain it, but it was definitely the power of God. <coughs> and but there were certain belief systems that were layered onto it that actually extinguished that fire. Now, here's the good news. In September 2011, that, that fire was relit. Wasn't it, Andrea? You were there. Because <laughs> God is determined to <coughs> release his power on planet Earth because he loves the Earth. Okay? It's not just because he's... He's not nasty and powerful. His love without power is incomplete. And if we try and love the world without the power of God, that will be incomplete as well. And in this prophecy, it actually talks about actually where we should have been 10 years ago. I find it, I find it interesting. It says actually no, no condemnation attached, but it actually talks about where the church in Europe should have been 10 years ago. I just found that quite interesting. Time to catch up. That's what it says. And God's going to accelerate it. But it's time to catch up when we need to. And the reason that we're not where we should have been is actually because of unbelief systems that we have to come to terms with and recognize them as unbelief and be like the guy who said, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. So I want you to have that attitude. Yeah, this is firm, but actually any areas of unbelief I detect in my life, I'm going to ruthlessly deal with them. Because unbelief is an enemy of your faith. It's the pollution that will contaminate your faith and, and, and reduce it, and make it ineffective. And if you want to see more miracles, signs and wonders, power of God released, then we have to, have to grow in our faith rather than grow in unbelief. And so when you, you see the story of Nazareth, when Jesus went to Nazareth, it's a shocking story. You know, he goes to Nazareth and he says, <coughs> that, well, the people in Nazareth say, wow, wow, where did he get this stuff from? He's doing miracles and his teaching is extraordinary. Where did he get it from? And because he was a homegrown boy, they think, hmm, didn't get it here. We know his mum. We know his mum. We know brothers and sisters. We know they were familiar with him. And what was interesting, so it's, it wasn't that there was no, no acknowledgement of miracles or teaching. It was just to say they actually rejected it. And familiarity with your Christianity is one of your greatest challenges. So I said earlier on, you know, we get so familiar. Oh, God's here. Mm, of course he is. Get on and preach. And so, and one of the things that is interesting is that, and friend of ours, Robert Leardon, who's a great sort of, uh, well, I'd say he's a, he's, a, he's a bit of a master when it comes around to church history. Um, absolutely phenomenal guy. He says that, that basically about every 15 years, God releases another revelation of himself on planet Earth. About every 15 years. And you can track it. So he said, but actually, if you don't catch one and you, you miss it, and you go, you, you leap, it's very difficult for you to, to, to make sense of the next one coming if you've not caught that one. 
And he said, the people that are least likely to catch the next wave of God are the ones who've just experienced the previous wave of God. Do you know why? Because we find our way to formularize things. We make formulas around them. We, we, we start to build sacred bits around them. And uh, what, I've, what I've, again, this is an observation of mine, that, that it's not just true of Christians, it's true of lots of people. People, but Christians in particular, they love formulas because you don't have to have any faith. Just tell me how to do it. How do I heal the sick? There's no formula. Well, I want to know how. I want to... I Three-step plan, five-step plan, whatever. Go, give me a plan. Say, oh, how did Jesus do it? Oh, yeah, okay. Blind eyes, spit on the ground. Mud pack, that'll do the job. Now, that'll probably get you a slap in the face, but... It, 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 <laughs> Jesus... Oh, it was a good number of years ago, probably around about 96... Um, I was, I was being asked to go and teach in quite a lot of churches about healing. And uh, they started to ask me to teach them how to heal the sick. So I thought, oh, well, I know I do it, but I don't know how I do it. It was, it's, I've, got, I've got a lot of stories. I thought, I've never, never really thought about how I do it. So I studied it. I thought, well, there must be. Anyway, I, I read all the way through the New Testament. I want to tell you, there is no how to. There's only a Who? how-to is appealing. It appeals to the fact that you can add something to the process. And uh, that then becomes a legalism. And again, Graham Cook talks about that. Okay, so unbelief. These are sort of things, headlines that we, we need to deal with. And I'll try and do some stuff. I want to um, teacher during these evening meetings about how to grow in faith. That's going to be fun. I'm doing that with the students at the moment in, in school. So, my favourite subject. I might even bring out my faith triangle, and the students are going, No, not another triangle, not another triangle. Actually, Rebecca enjoyed my faith triangle, didn't you, when I did it in South Africa? Said you wish you'd heard it about 10 years ago, didn't you? So, yes, that would save you a lot of bother. So, I'll bring it out sometime. Um, but, how about this? God wants us. He's calling us out from a poverty spirit. Mm. So what do we think is the counter to a poverty spirit? Adoption, that would be good. Because adoption leads to what? We're adopted as his sons and daughters, therefore we get an inheritance. Hmm. So are you a son or daughter of the living God? Yeah. Do you know what comes with that? Inheritance. Now, I think, again, we've been taught to expect our inheritance when we die. You don't get an inheritance when you die. It's too late. You don't get it then. It's, it, it, <laughs> just, 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 just get it. You don't get an inheritance when you die. You get an inheritance when somebody else dies. That's how it works. 
Silly idea to think you're going to get your inheritance when you die. You might acquire more of it, but actually you've got an inheritance because Jesus died. And his inheritance is pretty big. When did you get it? As soon as you were born again, you got an inheritance. Okay, it's amazing. So you, you don't graduate through the process. Oh, something. What you what, what you work your way through is 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 the enormity of it. It's like having a whole pile of Christmas presents under the Christmas tree, and it takes you forever to open them on Christmas Day. You know, it, it's, it's a process. Of, you got how many spiritual blessings have you got in Christ Jesus? How about it? Every, it's every, there's your inheritance. How, are they already given to you? Every spiritual blessing you have. So slap yourself if you think you're poor spiritually. Just, just, just get, get, this idea that you're poor in Christ is, is, is just a, an absolute robbery. Now, I know, who the, I know who the thief is. He's not my friend, but he's going to try and persuade you that you're poor old Christian. Oh, dear me. Now, this is a view that the, the world has of the church. Poor and after their money. True. That's their expectation. Well, we're not after your money. If you want to give us some, that's fine, but... Don't object. Our dad's pretty rich. <clears throat> and I think we need to throw off these things. Don't we? So should we do that bit now? I've got a lot more to say, but I better stop. Otherwise, we'll be here. <clears throat> I'm going to read one other thing. that I, this, this is maybe next week. We'll get on to this one, I think. I'm enjoying my Sunday evening, so I'm, I'm indulging myself. So, In this day, your traditions will be overwhelmed by, by my presence. <laughs> in this day, so this is leading up. Are you getting ready to be overwhelmed? So just start to take this. In this day, your traditions will be overwhelmed by my presence. Ooh. Now, look at this. The power of my identity, that's God talking, the power of my identity shall overwhelm your earthbound theology. (laughs) The power of my identity shall overwhelm your earthbound theology. Wow. (laughs) Let's get ready. Whoo. Wow. When we say, if God says it, we do it, that's because we're not afraid. We're not weak. We trust him. And we're certainly not poor. We're not going to count our human resources and subject the will of God to such meagre reality. I want you to do it. I want you to... God says you have an extraordinary destiny and calling. 
And it's not dependent upon your earthly resources. So why are you looking at them? It's not limited by your earthly circumstances. So, so why are you taking those into account? They're relevant, but they, 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 they don't, don't affect the bottom line. Father, I thank you that we are not poor. We are not victims. We are powerful people loved by the living God. And we choose to trust you. We believe in you. I believe in you. And Father, I pray you would reveal to us, every one of us, areas of unbelief in our life, that we would root it out and subject it to the fire of faith. Wow! Thank you that we are powerful people because the Holy Spirit is inside us. We are a powerful people. Whoa. We are powerful people. Okay. We start with a we. Then we go, I want you to say, I am a powerful person. I am more, I am more powerful than any circumstance that faces me. Woo. And the, and the demons are scared of me. Wow. The demons are scared because of who is in me. So we, we start to tear down strongholds that have kept us back from living in the fullness of what you've called us to. Wow. Chew. So I release the fire of heaven on everyone in this place right now.